Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we are wrapping up the season previews. And it is the Atlantic Division. Obviously some heavy bias here, but in my opinion, the most uh, interesting division. And I, I do say that not just as a sense fan and obviously a least fan on this podcast. But uh, in, in my opinion, this is actually the division with the most questions from top to bottom. Uh, especially because unlike in past years where, or especially last year, where it was a clear elite four and a clear horrid four, uh, that middle might be a little more tight. And I think this is a relatively deep division or could be has the potential to be a relatively deep division up and down the, uh, the entire division. So uh, there's really no news to break into today other than another hockey Canada story came out. We should just mention that um, again. I don't know how many times on this podcast, we really need to mention that sexual assault is bad. The, the take doesn't get much more nuanced than that, but it came out today that there was a second fund that they've hid through this entire negotiate or not investigation process as well. Um, pretty simple. Just fire everyone. Uh, like anyone who has any knowledge about this at hockey camp, that needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty much all there is to say about it. People, uh, these are literal crimes that they, uh, they help covered up and kept from public. That's a bad thing. Yep, exactly. There's no, there's no other side of that uh, that debate. Yeah, and then when they got found out about it, also hit a second fund that they seemingly didn't plan on revealing, even though you know that would be pretty uh, pretty important information. I think. Yeah, I would so, think so. Um, yeah, just a pathetic organization. It'll be interesting. Yeah, you know, I I I can't believe they haven't made firings already or more firings already. Yeah, I can't believe they didn't just start gutting stuff, but. But, um, all right, uh, let's get on to the Atlantic division. Well, as always, we start from the bottom. We're going to rank them into tiers and then teams within that tier. Uh, so there's rebuilding. Um, we have a couple, sometimes there's a middle tier of like not rebuilding, but probably not a playoff team, you know, wildcard hopeful, division hopeful, and then division leaders. Um, so it'll be interesting what we have on this. I haven't put a ton of thought into this one, truthfully, uh, other than like, in terms of prepping as I did on the past ones. But um, to me, there's a clear bottom team in this division. And that is the Montreal Canadiens as the only truly probably rebuilding team. So when I did this for the first pass, I actually had Montreal in second last, but upon further consideration, I agree with you. Nice. So I told you I had a, a fun take for this division. And now I'm thinking it might not be quite as fun as I thought, because my take on this Habs team is that I think, you know, it's, you should project them last. I think the meat, like the, the common outcome, if you simulate this a thousand times is they are last most often, but I think it's more likely they don't come last in this division than they end up with a bottom two record in the NHL. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the Habs on my note for like, they were a good team two years ago. I don't think they were. Like, that was obviously a little fake, but I don't think they're as bad as they showed last year. They have um, probably, like, 15 NHL – or I said they, they have 18 at least NHL skaters. The problem is, like, 16 of them are forwards is the only thing that scares me a little. Yeah, I, when I first made the take, I kind of forgot they trade away Petrie. Because my big thing is, like, so many of these guys were hurt, such just had actively horrible years at the same time last year that I think just naturally we're going to see some regression from this team. Like if I told you Brendan Gallagher is back to being maybe not a top 20 winger, but like 
the 43rd best winger in the league and he plays 82 games this year, that shouldn't be that shocking. Yep. Yeah, that sounds about right. And like if Sean Monahan is a fine third line center and Josh Anderson is a fine second line winger or whatever, like a lot of those things just weren't true. Slash, they'd have some of those players last year. You know, like I just think that this team is going to see some natural regression. Yeah, exactly. And some of the young guys like Caulfield and them could take some modest steps without having to go too crazy because they're that young. Slavkovsky, like I wouldn't have selected him first overall, but if he's a, a decent third line winger. That's still an improvement, right? Yeah, and like Kirby Doc, I wouldn't have paid him $3.3 million for four years maybe, but also he's probably an upgrade on some of the guys they had in that bottom six last year. Yeah, I mean, again, even if he's a good fourth liner, which makes the trade and whatnot horrible, but that's still an upgrade. Yeah, and honestly, and one thing like the, the Coyotes aren't going to have are the Hawks this year, which I think are the – probably the two other most common bottom three teams that people associate is like if Cole Caulfield pops off and scores 25, 30 goals this year, that's not going to be surprising at all. But I don't like, as far as I know, there's no prospect on the Hawks or coyotes that are going to be playing this year that could do something like that. No, there's no, there's not a lot of NHL ready upside on those teams. You have to get to the Buffaloes of the world before you have NHL ready upside. Yeah, exactly. And so like, I, I think this team is worse on paper than Buffalo, but if you told me that Buffalo's goaltending of a 41-year-old Craig Anderson mm-hmm. doesn't hold up and and these guys, you know, get some good goaltending from Jake Allen, who we'll get to in a second, and just have some regression and they finish with 79 or 80, yeah, 79 points and Buffalo finish with 77 or whatever, like, oh, that, that wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. Yeah, I could definitely see something like that, like – the uh, DraftKings has their over-under lines between Buffalo and Montreal, like five five standing points apart. That yep. seems a little more extreme than I would have guessed, to be honest. I think they're – I have them in the same tier. I, I don't have them in the same tier. I have them a, a tier below probably. But I know like Evolving Hockey, I think they had um, – they had the Canadians with 69, nice, 0.8 points, and the Sabres 75.6. So about okay. a six-point different and a standard deviation in – either way is 8.2 points so one Within standard one deviation stick. separates them right yeah so do you have buffalo in in the tier with like the wings and sends i kind of have buffalo in their own tier of not really a wild card hopeful team but also i don't like they're not really rebuilding anymore yeah that's fair they should like take a step they're not openly tanking yeah like i think montreal is very very okay if they have a bad year this year yeah they- appears as though that's the plan i don't think think if buffalo has another bad year this year they're going to be pretty disappointed yeah you know the way you were talking about the sends last year where you're like you don't want to be picking third last anymore yeah it's time to come like eighth last or tenth last i think buffalo's kind of entered that stage yes i would agree um you know just see hopefully owen power looks good inside we'll we'll get to buffalo in a second Uh, montreal the, the thing that does scare me is their decor mike matheson Joel Edmondson, David Savard, and then you go to Justin Barron, a 20-year-old, Jordan Harris, a 22-year-old, Chris Weidman, 32-year-old, uh, who hasn't played in the NHL much lately. It's just not a great decor. No. Um, so that is definitely one of the, the – and like Chris Weidman hasn't played in the NHL since 2018-19. So, um, yeah, it's definitely – 
a question mark there just to say the 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 least and then obviously in that jake allen signs a new year uh new deal he was under contract for this year but they signed him for the next two as well at 3.850 again to me that kind of signals they're okay with being bad i don't think you lock yourself in to jake allen for two more years before this one's even up if you are not to me jake allen is just there to basically hand the reins off to whoever that may be whether that's uh Caden Primo, Primo, who's their 23-year-old, I think they hope to take a step, or if that's someone else that they end up drafting or whatever, you know, trading for. But Jake Allen's a fine goalie. Like, he's probably not a starter, but he's one of, if not the best backups, I'd say, in the league. Yeah, and if you wanted to argue he's the 24th best goalie in the league or whatever, that makes him a starter. I'm fine with that. That seems like the right, uh, right kind of range for him. Yeah, like that 25 to 35 range kind of thing. like. Yeah, sounds You're probably right. not going to be a good team if he's your starter, which I don't think Montreal will be, but also like he's not a bad option if you have a team that, you know, isn't very good anyways and you need a guy to more or less throw to the wolves. It's bad. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a relative strength on a tanking team. Because I think he's also a good thing. I'm, maybe this is getting a little too much into the intangibles, but there is something to be said about like not wanting to foster a losing culture or whatever with young guys. And having a goalie that just lets everything in probably does that a little bit. Yeah, he's not like an active liability. It might help you actually be able to evaluate what you do have on hand. Yeah, exactly. But he's also probably not good enough where he's going to like ruin your tank or anything like that either. Yeah, that's a good combo. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I think this team, they're going to be better than last year. I I would be pretty surprised if they finish in dead last this year. Like, I think, in my opinion, they have a better roster than – the Blackhawks, they have a better roster than the Coyotes. They have a better roster than the Flyers, for sure. Um, yes, that's where I'd stop, but I think they are better than those teams. Yeah, that is also where I'd stop. And then, again, like if you told me that they finish ahead of the Sabres or something like that, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me Seattle's goaltending sucked again this year and they finished ahead of Seattle, I also probably wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah. Yeah, that would make – I could believe that. Right. Even so, if they're, like, median outcome is worse kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think if you're doing a simulation of a thousand times, like, you can expect Montreal to be bottom three. But, you know, like, given – we don't play this season over a thousand times. It's almost – you can quote-unquote play the games for a reason. Like, if you told me they got the high end of variance and where's the 23rd or 21st best team in the league or whatever – I would, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably not the best long-term thing for them, but also I'm not shocked. Yeah, it would make sense. The uh, the St. Louis bump is real. You know, Caulfield mm-hmm. takes a step. Allen stays, you know, league average goalie. I can see that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that, that's all I really have on Montreal. My take on them is just like they're a bottom team, but for a team that finished 32nd, I don't think they're going to be near as bad. Yeah, which makes sense. Uh, they're probably the least interesting team in the whole division just because like – their goal is clear and their goal is to get a good pick in a great draft. Yeah. Like they're disappointed if they're missing the playoffs by three points. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like you, you every other team are all out. Yeah. Every other team we're about to get to. Well, I mean, obviously once we get to the top teams, they would be disappointed with that, but like the next couple teams we get to, if they miss the playoffs by a couple points, that's considered a good season for them. Yeah. So, um, and let's get to one of those teams now. So yeah, I also have Buffalo in seventh. Um, I do have them like a tier above Montreal, kind of in their tier tier of their own. To me, they kind of fit in with like 
the Columbus teams of the world where the team definitely wants to get better. And, and obviously in different ways, like this team is going to get better through young guy growth where Columbus obviously went out and spent a bunch of money this offseason, brought in a Goudreau type player. But like, I just don't see the team as like playoff ready or anything like that. Or, it, you know, if they do, it's going on a really hot run and getting into that second wild card. And I don't think there's a, there's probably not an avenue where I look at the end of the year and be like, oh, this team took a step from rebuilding to like legit threat contender this year. Yeah, I kind of doubt that unless they get the cluster lock of like Cousins, Krebs, and Jack Quinn all have huge years. Plus, instead of starting slow, Dallin's just like a 1D the whole time. Yeah, plus a 1D. Yeah, plus Eric Comrie's like a legit starter. That's like, that's a lot of ifs. Or like Uko Pekalukinen comes up and he's an actual starter. Yes. Yeah, they find a starter in there somewhere. Yeah, or maybe forty-one-year-old Craig Anderson finds some of Trump, Tom Brady's age serum and whatever. However, it happens. The miracle run. Um, yeah, yeah. No, like I, I do think this is a good. Like this is one of the better uh, Buffalo rosters we've seen in a while, though. It that speaks more to how bad the team has been for better part of a decade now. But um, like I, I think this team will be one that definitely. Unlike years past, where it's like you're disappointed in the four, the teams that play because every you play every team in your division four times, you're disappointed if you're not taking at least three out of four from Buffalo. I think it's a fair thing to say over the past five years. I think this is a team that will be good enough to probably take at least one and probably two games from a couple people in their division, maybe even three. Like, I'm not saying they're going to like beat every team in their division, but if they upset the Boston Bruins a couple times and take three or four against or go two one and one against the Boston Bruins or something like that. I wouldn't be all that shocked. Yeah, me neither. And a nice thing about this Sabres roster relative to the rosters of the past that you were talking about was like, they used to have, there was no good players and upside because the upside was the good players. The only good players were these Jack Eichel, Rasmus Dallin, Sam Reinhardt. Now they have like legitimately good NHL players like Alex Tuck, like um Tage Thompson was pretty good last was fantastic last year even if he regresses a bit he'd still be a very good player Jeff Skinner like these guys are all like legitimately talented NHL players that can fill roles in the top six and then they have upside shots behind them like your Jack Quinns and your Krebs and your cousins it's not like the only upside is concentrated in the only players that we think are good plus Owen Power has absolutely killed every level he's played in and that is a lot of upside on the back end yeah, exactly. Like now they're going for like Casey Middlestead is their fifth best NHLer, and there's still guys where there's way, way more upside than what Middlestead shown. Instead of Casey Middlestead's got to come in and absolutely save this full record. Yeah, instead of if he's a two C, it's like well, you don't really need him, and like maybe one of him between him, Cousins, and Krebs, like they've all looked you know, pretty underwhelming. But one of those three being good is a lot better be- bet than just Casey Middleton being good. Yeah, exactly. Like Cousins, Krebs, and Jack Quinn are all 21 years old. Like the, you know, you'd have to have some New York Rangers level of development not to have one <laughs> of those guys hit. Exactly. There's a lot more. They have more good bets than they have in previous years to go along with legitimate NHL talent that is established. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I really do think this team is going to be enjoyable to watch as well. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Like that four core, obviously Jeff Skinner, 
Alex Tuck, as you mentioned, uh, you know, even like Kyle Arpozo is just a, he's a fine NHL player. I don't think he's particularly good anymore, but you know, like he's a body that you'll put out there. Um, and he's the last, uh, last year of his contract as well, which I think is going to very help or help their, um, cap situation quite a bit. Um, but yeah, they, so they, sorry, they have, I got kind of distracted myself there. I was looking at his RAPM numbers, Skinner, Arpozo, Tuck, like Victor Olofsson, you know, is an actual NHL player. Casey Middlestad's like a bottom six player of some kind. Vinny Hinnestroza, like Tage Thompson, I'll throw in there as well. There's seven actual NHLers. And then, as you said, you can mix Cousins, Cousins Krebs, Quinn in there. And that hopefully gives you some more upside. Um, things to watch with this team, I think, is is Tage Thompson. I don't even know if legit's the right word, but just like close to what he was. Like. Is he a 25 to 30 goal scorer in the NHL? Or is he closer to the... 10 to 15 guy we kind of saw hints of for the first four years of his career. Yeah. He's like the, my, what makes this a success for them is like the team generally takes a step, mostly buoyed by the young guys. And then because they paid him so much money, you also need to make sure that Tage Thompson contract doesn't look like a disaster where you signed a one-year wonder. Yeah. And then the other things I think to watch on the blue line are probably Ken Rasmus, Deline, take another step and figure it all out. Um, and also how does Owen power look? Uh, I, yeah. you know, those are the, the, the two worries on their blue line. And again, granted with the, for Deline, I think this honestly might be the best blue line we've seen from Buffalo in a while too. And that's saying something because I don't think it's great by any means. It's just less bad than it has been in the past. Yeah, exactly. Like if it says a lot about their previous blue lines that they'll probably really appreciate like Ilya Labushkin. Yeah, that he's a bad player or anything. Lawrence but. Pila coming back to the NHL. I think he's back in the NHL this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like him returning from the KHL is like a very, very good thing for this decor. Yeah. So, um, yeah, run a decor something. I don't know how the lines are going to shake out, but Deline Labushkin, Powers, there's Yokoharu there, Jacob Bryson, Lawrence Pila, um, and then Matias Samuelson as well. Um, so it's a young blue co- blue line, but considering they've had a bunch of older players on their blue line in the past two, and they've all sucked, I don't really see how this can be worse. Exactly. And it's, again, the same thing where, you know, Henry Okaharu hasn't looked great, but between one of him, Bryson or Samuelson, maybe you find a number four and you're really happy with that, given you have two first overall picks to go along with them. Yeah, exactly. So, and that is where this is going to be the biggest question. Currently signed, they have Eric Conry and Craig Anderson. Uh, it's how, it seems like Ugo Pekka Lukanen is going to start in the minors. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his way up by the end of the year. He played nine games with them last year and had a 917 save percentage. Uh, he had a 935 Rochester games, but um, as we know, AHL save percentage doesn't always translate. Um, he's looked pretty good in Buffalo every time he's been up, and he's been one of their hyped goalie prospects for a couple of years now. So I would be surprised. It's probably only a matter of time before we see him up, but yeah, generally one of the more positive outlooks I think we've had on the Sabres since the third year of Eichel's career, maybe. Yeah, pretty much. I'd say this is a cool year for them because it's a house money year. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're bad, you'd be like, well, we were bad last year. Now we have a great pick and a, and a great draft. Uh, and if they're good, oh, we sucked last year and we're good. This is exciting. Yep, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, it's so, next year that the pressure really starts to come. Yes, and I would say next year they're probably going to try and look like the two teams are about to get to, I would assume. 
Um, and so this is where we enter a different tier for me. I have wildcard hopeful as this tier, um, you know, too. yeah, like probably the most realistic avenue to playoffs for these guys are wildcard, probably not top three in the division. Um, I think, again, I'm slightly biased here, but just into like, even trying to remove my bias, I think there's still a bit of a discrepancy between these teams. Uh, I have Detroit in sixth place, and I think they are slightly worse than the team ahead of them on paper anyways, but um, they've definitely made some upgrades for this year, especially. I agree. I also had Detroit behind the team that I assume we're both going to have next year. And I agree they're, they're upgrades. We kind of dislike the contracts in the offseason, but somebody like Andrew Cobb will be really good for this team this year. Yeah, exactly. Like just giving either a secondary option behind Dylan Larkin or someone who can slide to the wing and play as needed as well. If you find some surprised center depth, which I doubt they will just looking at their center depth chart right now. Um, but yeah, like the, the additions of like Andrew Kopp, um, as well as even um, David Perron as well. Like, I'm, I'm not sure if he'll be worth the full 9 million plus of that contract plus a no, no trade clause, but at the same time, like even if he's a $3.5 million player this year, that's an upgrade on what they were um, moving out at times last year. So um, their biggest question is going to be, can a guy like Lucas Raymond take the next step forward of being, you know, he had the flash, he looked good at times, but he wasn't quite there in terms of like an absolute star. Um, he was pretty good, but like, can he take that next step forward to being an actual, like uh, no doubt bona fide superstar? Yeah, he's the, him and then um, Cider just not taking a step backwards would be huge because Raymond's numbers were pretty inflated by power play success last year. So nice to be able to see him dominate a five on five too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I think, you know, those, those are going to be the two biggest things to watch. Um, again, another team where it's like, I do think that they are going to be a very hard out, like just their forwards are solid. I, if Raymond doesn't take the next step, I'm a little concerned about the high end talent of this team. I really like Dylan Larkin, but like, he doesn't compare with even like most of the, the next teams we're going to get to high end players. I don't think. Yeah, I definitely think they pulled the trigger on trying to improve a year too early. I them being of, in the Bedard hunt would make a lot of sense, and they're not. Yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. Um, they definitely have, you know, people still really like their prospect pool as well, so it's important to note that. But, um, yeah, it, it just kind of feels like they probably could have used maybe one more year of uh, another really high draft pick, and maybe it'll come this year. But, you know, I, I think the, they're – I like how they've been approaching their goaltending in terms of trying to find someone for the next couple of years – uh, Nadelkovic didn't really work out last year, but I still think that's a solid enough bet at $3 million. And then they went and signed Billy Huso for 4.75. Those two guys at 7.75, I think is a realistic enough expectation that one of them will give you at least average goal that night. There's a decent chance they have better goaltending than more of the teams in front of them than they don't. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, Leafs fans are going to hate me for this, but this duo is better than the Leafs. This is way better than the Leafs. The only duo I'm confident this duo isn't better than is the one that includes Vasilevsky, and then I don't even care who the other guy is. Yeah, exactly. Like, like even in Florida, like I like Bob more than most people, and Spencer Knight's really highly drafted, but like Spencer Knight's, it's an if. At least we've seen Ned do it in the NHL. Plus, we've seen Bob suck. So, yeah, exactly. 
Um, and then, yeah, like I'd say Boston's is better too, but it's not like Swayman or Olmark are absolute sure things. Exactly. We, the Olmark was good for like a small sample in Buffalo and Swayman was good in a small sample last year in Boston. So, you know, Huso was also good in a small sample. Plus we've seen Nadelkovich be really good on top of being really young. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think the, the another common theme for this division is going to be pretty ugly blue lines. You have more decider. He looked unreal last year. You know, I don't really expect that to decrease anything this year, but behind that, it's not pretty. Um, ben Sherrod is who they gave a ton of money to. Good luck with that, especially because you know they're going to be playing him uh, as a shutdown guy, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, That'll be the thing. If Sherrod's playing left side with Sider on the right, those those numbers might get ugly. Yeah, or even if Sherrod's just the second pair and they play their version of the FNUF CC shutdown kind of idea right like i could totally see them going only mad at ben Sherat. it's like a quote-unquote shutdown pair oh absolutely and that is just asking for disaster i think um philip ronick jordan osterol uh as i mentioned only Mata, uh gustav lindstrom and my favorite right d slash right wing mark pissick um not <laughs> a very encouraging decor past motorcider for a team that is trying to take a big step forward this year, but I, maybe the, you know, the silver lining is that the next couple teams we're going to get to as well, have a very similar story. Once you get past their number one guy. Yeah, exactly. And the nice thing is they don't, there's not as much pressure on Detroit to be good this year. Luckily for them, Ottawa took the brunt of that, despite the fact Detroit did their own version of the Ottawa thing mm-hmm. and they have Ed, Ed Vincent coming yep. probably next year. So that's, mm-hmm. That's where you get your help from. You hope through them. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I just I, I don't really have too much else on this team. Like most of them, pretty most models I've seen have them pretty solidly ahead of Buffalo. Like Dominic Schizens has Buffalo at seventy six, Detroit at eighty two, but then behind Ottawa, who he's got at eighty seven. That's been pretty similar to about anything I've seen on other models as well. Yeah, and Which that's kind of how I range. feel about them as well. I think that's what the general intuition of the teams is too. Like, I don't think that's blowing anybody's mind. No, I think you're probably trying to hot take it a little too much. If that, you know, is absolutely outrageous to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like evolving hockey says the Sabres at 75.6 Red Wings at 87.1. Now they do have Ottawa at 88.9. So there's a much less gap between uh, like a two point gap between the Red Wings and senators in their model, but still. Yeah. That's all. The, that's all DraftKings has of that too, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, I'm a little surprised as well. I mean, I guess it depends when you update as well, because we'll get to the centers now. Uh, I'm assuming they're the team you have in fifth. Yeah. Yeah, they're also I'm the team not going have too hot takey. No, I part of me wants to go like if Bergeron would have actually retired and Krejci didn't come back, I would have had them. Ma- I could have made the argument. I think they would finish ahead of Boston, even if like Boston true talent, everyone healthy was better, but. With obviously Boston's big players coming back, I think this is a very easy spot for them. Um, injury news came out today. Cam Talbot is out anywhere from three to seven weeks with what's believed to be a cracked rib. Apparently suffered it in practice, didn't really play through the pain for a couple practices, and then they x-rayed him, and it turns out it was cracked, so he's out for a little bit. Um, that is a tough loss for the Senators early in the season because now they're going with a tandem of Anton Forsberg, and they just claimed um, Magnus Helberg is his name off of waivers <laughs> today. 
I had to look up who this was. 31-year-old journeyman. He was a second-round pick from Nashville back in 2011. Uh, has played five total NHL games, including one with Detroit last year, in which he gave up, I think it was three goals on like 10 shots or something like that. Um, so not a great start. He did play the previous five years in the KHL, like including last year. He did have really, really good numbers for the KHL. I'm a little skeptical of those because three of those years were on an SKA St. Petersburg team, which is like the best team in the league. He put up a 940, a 927, and a 930 in 34, 26, 21 games. Uh, he did play on Sochi HC, which I don't think is a very good team, had a 917 on them. And in 2017-18, played with Kunlin Red Star, who was an atrocious KHL team and had a 926 with them. So he's had good KHL results, but I wouldn't expect much. I'm a little worried about this tandem as a starting point for this analysis. Yeah, it's too bad that Ty will get hurt. Also, that sounds like a horrific injury to try to play goalie through. But okay. uh, so it especially sucks because like a decent reason, I think, for the Sens in this division was, I think it was pretty reasonable to project them to have league average goaltending. That gets a little bit dicier given the new tandem. Now it might only be a couple weeks, but still. Yeah, that's the big thing is there is a chance that like, Talbot's back by early November and only misses six games or whatever. Yeah. Um, which, at which point you're fine. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like I, I think just generally speaking, if we are to assume that he misses six to 10 games and they get past that, just even going like six and four, five and five, you know, like 500 basically. I, I do like this team, like this tandem and the idea behind we saw Forsberg be really good last year. Um, they reward with him a $2.75 million contract. Obviously, Nothing major, but it is three years. Um, but then also knowing that Forsberg can't be the starter, go and get a guy in Cam Talbot who did have struggled a little bit last year, but his track record in the NHL has been very good. And, you know, if you're going to split, like, say, the game, I mean, now that he's injured, probably closer to, like, 50-something, 30-something. But if both were healthy, I was expecting the f- split to be about 48 games for Forsberg and whatever that leaves you for um, Talbot, 30 something high 30s low 40s yeah which seemed like a pretty reasonable expectation but now that might end up getting pretty skewed yeah exactly it just depends how how long he would be out for um 34 i guess would be the game played for 48 maybe even i was thinking close to like 46 games played for whoever gets the most and 36 for someone else but um regardless like i do think if they get if they can get work through this and and get talbot healthy again um this is still a decent tandem, not a great tandem or anything like that, um, but a fine enough tandem. Uh, and then once you get to the, the see how good the forward core is, that's when you go, oh, this team might not need like absolutely insane goaltending to take a step forward this year because they have really improved up front. And that is even without factoring in any rookie or young guy progression, I should say. Yes, they have improved massively. And uh it's going to be really interesting to watch how this all actually comes together this year. Yes. I am very excited. Um, I think, you know, I'm not ready. I know a lot of sense. The sense fans have been very loud on Twitter this uh, summer. And honestly, like I know it's annoying, but also this has been such a depressing franchise for five years, not even just like your normal rebuild, but like everything that Melnick put the fans through that, like some of it I think is deserved of just like, Oh my God, they're finally making good decisions. Um, I, a take I've seen a lot is that this is one of the best top sixes in the league. I'm not quite ready to go there yet, but I, I do think it has the potential to be one of the better top sixes in the league. 
Yeah, I would, I think a more realistic take is they have the potential to have one of the best top power play units in the league. Yeah, like, I, I think that's fair. It basically needs to come down for, like, best top six. It needs to come down to, like, Josh Norris and Drake Batherson both need to repeat what they did last year, which I'm not totally, especially with Norris, I'm not totally confident in. And, like, Brady Kachuk needs to take another step forward. And so does Stutzel. Stutzel's the big one, obviously. Stutzel's a lot like Raymond where, you know, the, the numbers look okay. Um, the eye test is clearly there. But at the same time, it's a lot of power play points. It's a lot of questionable uh, question marks at five on five. Tim Stutzel needs to show that if you put two really good players with him into Brinkett and Drew, or whether that's, you know, Batherson into Brinkett, whatever, right? Whatever comment of better players than Connor Brown and um, I don't know, who did he try to think of his left wing? The fact that I can't name his left wing is probably a bad sign. Um, but just better players than that, or even than like Matthew Joseph. I like Matthew Joseph, but he probably shouldn't be playing. Tyler Mott is another one. Like those guys are common line mates of Stutzla last year. He needs to show that being able to go from those guys to Debrink and Drew could make him take like that Jack Hughes jump in points per game. Yes, exactly. That would, because the problem is for the best top six in the league, they're going against some ridiculous top sixes in their own division. Yeah. So they're going to need some pretty big jumps from some of these guys who we haven't. There's, it's just like I was saying, there's ifs there, right? Not, mm-hmm. yeah. Like we don't need Matthews to take a jump. You kind of know what he is, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if, if anyone, like if Batherson, we like, I, I think it's fair to even say, like, if Batherson is what Newlander is throughout his career, you're very happy with that. You're freaking thrilled. That's a, a home run contract and like draft pick and everything. Yeah, and same with like I like to bring it. I still think Marner's better. So you know, exactly. and, then and another that's if, just one team, but to bring it, um, he's obviously a fantastic shooter. I expect him to be a thirty goal guy, healthy at minimum. If there was a little bit of fall off from this sniper who moves away from a generationally talented playmaker, we probably shouldn't be that surprised either. Yep, for sure. I, I do think the concerns about moving away from Patrick Kane are valid, but also. It's not like he's going to a couple bad puck movers. Claude Giroux can move the puck pretty well as well. And, you know, Tim Stutzel is very good at it too. So I yeah. um, I think it is fair to, to want, like, I don't think Dabrinkit is going to be a slam dunk 50 goal guy or anything like that. Um, or even like, I know people are calling him just like a perennial 40 goal scorer. I don't know if he's going to be a perennial 40 goal scorer, but also like if he's under 30 constantly, I'd be pretty surprised about that. Yeah, that would shock me. I can actually imagine. I think the most likely world is is like goal totals go down because like Giroux and Stuzzle are good. But like I said, Patrick Kane's a generationally talented passer, but his underlying numbers may actually improve because of the talent around him. Yep, I I think that would be fair. And, you know, like, let's be honest, for as good as Kane is offensively, there's a reason we both had him at like 20 and 22 on our wingers list is because he doesn't play a lick of defense. Yeah. So... Yeah, exactly. And it's probably easier to play with a guy like Claude Drew, who seems to be quite good defensively. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, no, I love this. The, the top line has looked good for two years now. I'm not really worried about them in terms of being bad, but it's going to be interesting to see, can they repeat what they did last year or even take it another step for, further in terms of better on ice goals percentage and just, you know, upping those points a little bit. Um, there was a massive debate on Sen's Twitter yesterday about what to do on the power play. There's people who like don't want to bring it on power play one because they think they 
should give. For some reason, people have it in their head that the power play was good last year for Ottawa. I don't. I'm, I'm just verifying this now. I'm pretty sure that was not the case, though. I have um, it in my head that it was league average-ish, but that could yes, be Yes, like it wasn't. It, I'm like very confident that it wasn't elite or anything like that. Um, I'm just looking at now. So Jet Corsi 4, they generated the 17th most in the league. Uh, expected goals, it was, and this is obviously just goals for, not totally no, no. 13th in the league. Um, high danger Corsi 4, it was, uh, um, I can't see them. Where are they? Second in the league, actually. That's funny. So second in high danger Corsi 4 per 60, but 13th in expected goals and 17th in Corsi 4 per 60. Um this is not a power play that you go, oh, here's a guy who just scored 40 goals last year. We don't put him on that. Yeah, that's that would be galaxy braining this in a highly unnecessary way. Like, but like I this know, was a fiery debate on Sense Twitter this week. Which is crazy because like I know people love Josh Norris and rightfully show. So uh Alex Debrinkit is a better shooter than Josh Norris. Yeah, and like together. And, and that's gonna... your number one sniper. Yeah, and like together they're gonna make them they should make each other better. Like exactly. I mean should be more space, I would think. It's yeah, just because another ridiculous shooting threat. At the end of last year, and like even one of the contract things with Norris was teams kind of started by the end of last year figuring out that he was their biggest shooting threat. So, you know, they put a guy kind of close to him at all times. Can he, you know, adjust to that and keep scoring at that rate, even with more pressure? Well, adding him to bring it to the other side of the ice is going to take that pressure away from him. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll just make everything easier on everybody having that talented of a shooter concentrated in whatever spot you put him in. Yeah, I can't believe that this was even a take, but it, it was. Um, I think the the better take or discussion with the senator should be, you know, I love Thomas Shabbat, but I don't think he should be on power play one. I would rather see him just go five forwards. Yeah, I was going to bring that up to you, actually. Would you go five forwards? And I'm glad you agree, because I think it's the move, because I think they have five forwards that you could do it with. Yeah, and then how, honestly, like, there's been an argument where even if they go four and one, should Eric Branstrom be that one? Because he's had better um, generation rates on the power play as well. I don't think that'll ever happen. I think the team loves Shabbat too much. And, like, he is a bit – Shabbat's not bad on the power play or anything like that. He's a very, very, very talented offensive defenseman. But – I just think, you know, getting a fifth board out there might be a little smarter. Also, and maybe this can transition us. You could then allocate those minutes of Shabbat to five on five, where you have a massive hole on defense. Yes. When I was talking about Detroit's defense and then said, don't worry, this is kind of what I was talking about. Um, Now the Sens do have their, Erickson coming up this year in terms of Jake, Jake Sanderson is who they are expecting to take a big jump forward. And it is a big ask, you know, asking any rookie to step in everything we've seen from Jake Sanderson is that he's dominated play when he's been, you know, like he's just kind of gone above expectations, no matter where he's played. I feel very confident he's going to step in and be fine, but they're also planning him to partner with Travis Hamanick as his partner to start the year. And that feels like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, that seems like a really unnecessary thing to do to your crown jewel 20-year-old defender. Yeah, but they've been doing it to Shabbat for four years, so... Um, yeah, I guess I, it, it worked once. I There was a report that came out that they're still 
pressing for Jacob Chitrin. We can get into that later. We don't need to talk about that today. Um, my big take with the sentence blue line is that they cannot play both Hamannick and Zaitsev this year. Um, Hamannick at best, I mean, like I, he's not really an NHL defenseman, but if he's your sixth defenseman, you can at least work around that. A sixth defenseman who kills some penalties. You can at least work around that. Zaitsev is not an NHL defenseman. He cannot be on this roster. I don't care if you can't trade him, send him to Belleville. And then I was, do- I was doing look- something on the, um, I was looking at like a long-term um, RAPM of like the worst goals for impact among defenders. And like the worst of the entire Corsiera is somebody who I forget. The second worst was uh, Nikita Zaitsev. Yeah, like literally almost any metric that you look at, he's like the worst defender among the t- or t- bottom five defenders among the past like 10 years. He's yeah, so yeah. Cr- shit. And it's he's over so such bad. a ridiculous sample. He's played with good partners. He played with bad partners. He's played tough competition. He's played softer competition. Like he's just not, not he's a not great good. NHL. And he, yeah. I don't understand why he keeps getting looked because his eye test sucks too. Yeah. Oh, like, I don't even want to like, I, I know we're like, I don't want to go too long on this, but like he just, he treats the puck like an active grenade. He watch him for four shifts and he's so out of position in his own end. The amount of times there's a guy wide open in front of the net and the replay is because Zaitsev was chasing a second guy into the corner or behind the net is astonishing. I don't know how he hasn't been caught by multiple coaching staffs. Yeah. And the old, the old um, enemy on Leafs Twitter was the Zaitsev up and off the glass giveaway. Yeah. That like, was cons- called a breakout, but it was a giveaway. Let's be honest. Yeah, it just it, so he's horrible. He cannot be on your team if you want to even compete for a playoff spot this year. Um, I think the most ideal way to run this decor would be Shabbat and then one of Jacob Bernard Docker or Lassie Thompson, who both played at times with the Senators. Didn't look like unreal or anything, but I don't think they need to be unreal. Um, another option would be sliding Eric Branstrom to the right side. Um, a second pair of Jake Sanderson and Artem Zub. Uh, right now they have Zub and Shabbat together. I really like that as a pairing, but Zub has already shown that he can be a good defenseman for, you know, younger guys like Brandstrom. So I'd rather put Sanderson with their best right-handed defenseman, who is Zub. And I think that would be a good second pair because we know Shabbat can drag anyone around. And if you just give him a competent player like JBD, Brandstrom, or Thompson, I think it would be fine. Yep. And then the third pair, if I was up to me, it would probably be Shabbat and Thompson on the top pair or Shabbat and JBD. And then Branstrom can play third pair lefty and Nick Holden can be his partner on the right side. Uh, Holden plays both sides. So does Branstrom technically can too. The team seems not to want to do it all that often. I don't really understand why, but um, I think if this team, by the end of the year, if this team really wants to be anywhere close to competing, Hamannick probably has to be at, best a third pair defenseman if not the seventh d on this team and zaitsev just can't be on this roster it's as simple as that yeah which makes sense that they're they're still in the chicken hunt because there aren't a ton of obvious ways to get around that in the short term for them no um i do think that like if they want to go into the season with this decor again as long as zaitsev's not on it i could see like when winnipeg realizes they're actually not that good in december or whatever like a dylan Demello type being open for trade and maybe you just wait until December, January until some team realizes that they're actually kind of bad. And that's where you go and get your upgrade. But that's not a bad idea. And you have like the, uh, the cap second next year to play with. If you just need to get a guy with like a two year deal, that's a number four right-handed defenseman. Yeah, exactly. So like um, DeMello, he's got two years left, three per, that would be the perfect kind of fit. Yep. The reunion. So 
Um, yeah, we'll they just signed him in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Um, but yeah, this is the most definitely the most confident I've been about this team since 2018. Um, and for good reason. I don't know. I'm not confident enough to say I that this team's a playoff team, but I think they absolutely should be pushing for playoffs with how much they've improved. Yeah, a hundred percent. I have further what makes it a success is we go. They would be a playoff team in any other division by the end yep. of the year. Yep, exactly. Um, and even you know, if that's not explicitly true, as long as you can talk yourself into believing it, it's fine. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if they if they're playing meaningful hockey into late March before that, you know, like I think the playoffs are supposed to start in April again this year. If they're playing meaningful hockey until the last season of the year, maybe second last season of the year, I think that is a huge upgrade. So um, I would love for this team. I hope they make a play that one because there's always a team that kind of comes out of nowhere and makes a playoff push that, you know, we don't expect. I hope it is this team, but you know, if, as long as they're competitive is all I'm asking for. Yes, for sure. And I, I think that's realistic because I saw some people like when they're, people are comparing them to the Leafs and stuff, like you're setting yourself up for disappointment when when you're comparing yourself to the Toronto's and the Boston's of the world, but (laughs) yeah, for sure. Um, all right, on to a new tier for me. Uh, I'm assuming the same for you. Yeah. For me, this is a tier of, um, I actually have two teams here because I kind of put it as like division hopeful in terms of like the top three in the division. Um, and okay. the clear fourth team I have in this division, better than the couple rebuilding teams still, but not as good as the top three maybe is. That's the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I have Boston here too. On DraftKings, they're almost... 10 points in their over underlined clear of teams in either direction. Yeah, that seems like, about right. Like, like they're in their own tier more so than maybe any other team in the league, save for the two teams that are openly tanking. Yeah, their cap friendly is hilarious too. Pasternak, one year left in the UFA. Felino, Zaka, Smith, Bergeron, Nosek, Wagner, Trent Frederick, David <laughs> Krejci, all one years left until their UFAs. Um, and then their blue lines had a couple guys with two years left, but you can tell this is an all in year. Um, I was pretty surprised at how high we were talking about this off camera, but how high Donald Shishin's model was on them. He's got them higher than Tampa, which just, I, I, I doesn't feel right to me. It's not much, but he's got them as a 103.8 point team. He's got Tampa as 103.5. Um, I would be a little surprised if Boston finished with a hundred plus points simply because this whole team is hurt. Yeah, healthy. I think they're in a tier with the Toronto, Florida, Tampas. Missing McAvoy for like four months of the season and Marshawn for two. You're a team with only four good players and you're missing two of them for a large chunk of the season. I think that's enough to knock them into stink tier below those guys. Yeah, I would agree. And like even Matt Grizzlick's out for a couple months to start the season. So the decor is going to be like Lindholm, Carlo, Derek Forbert, Mike Riley, Jacob Zaboro, and Connor Clifton. That's not a good decor. No, that's pretty bad. That's especially one of the worst like, that we've listed. Yeah, especially because if you wanted to tell me like you expect a huge resurgence from Lindholm because he's going to be playing with McAvoy, I'd be like, yeah, I agree with you. And that probably will happen at least for a couple of years. But there's no McAvoy for like four months. So you're screwed there. Yeah, exactly. This definitely feels like a team where it's like, even though we're low on them in their preview, it, we could get to the playoffs and be like, oh, this is a cup threat. Yeah, I think by the playoffs, we'll probably look at them more or less the same as we did last year. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I'm just kind of get slightly lower and lower on Taylor Hall every year. 
he's not bad or anything like that, but he's just nowhere close to like the true elite top line player we saw at one point. Yeah, he was a 60 point player last year in a league with ridiculously high scoring rates. So, you know, he's a good second line left winger at this point. Yep, exactly. I do like the Craig Smith pickup as well, or like just, I like Craig Smith on the third line as well. Um, and not really a pickup. He's played two years with them, but again, he's, he had 36 points in 70. He was a 40 point guy in a league with high end scoring. So, um, you know, like it's just, they, they are going to have depth if they can all get healthy. I think, you know, the mix of Pasternak, Marchand, Hall, Bergeron, uh, Coyle, and probably DeBrusque, I would say rounds out their top six. Uh, it's not bad. And then like Zaka Smith, then you're starting to get in. Oh, sorry. Krejci would round out their top six. And then, so it's probably like Coyle, Zaka Smith is a third line. That's, you could do worse than that. Yep. I will say also, Krejci scored at a similar rate in the Czech league that he did in the NHL the year before. I think people penciling him in to be a 2C. Like he will play on the second line, but there's a non-zero chance he's significantly worse than that. Yeah, like, Dom had his uh, GSVA as 1.2, which is equal to, like, Anthony Sorelli. That yeah. doesn't feel right to me. I would bet the under on that. Yeah, me too. And, like, it kind of is astonishing how good he has their top line. They're all fours. Uh, Tampa only has – Tampa has no 4.0 or higher players on their team, which is shocking, you know? Like, that's how good Boston's top line is. But – um it's kind of crazy yeah i know i, I think it's probably because uh point had a down year and kucherov's been injured for two straight regular seasons kucherov's yeah, Kucherov. at 3.8 yeah he'd be a tough guy to model empirically same, at this point same with Hedman, who's like head down and even vasileski's at 3.7 Hedman's at 3.8 all those guys have been like either been injured in the regular season or down years because they've been injured or just i honestly think some of them don't really care for half the season and then obviously they go right back to being elite in the playoffs yeah, so there's like obvious reasons why they could outperform those marks, even yeah. though if it makes sense why the model would have them there. Yeah, exactly. Especially because um, Hedman played what, like 50 plus games hurt, and that will be in his three year rolling sample. Yes, that the two years ago in that shortened season, he played like the entire season's hurt. Mm-hmm. So look at and that. Then Kucherov can, missed two full years. Like it's weird how you can actually like reason why a public model has you know some discrepancies instead of just throwing it out because we don't have all the data. Yeah, and you don't have to just blindly trust it. You can put like four seconds of thought into some blind spots. You're actually allowed to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Analysis just, it's not good these days. So yeah, crazy. We'll, we'll stop with the inside jokes. Um, no, this this Boston team, though, like I, I really like their forward core. Um, I am worried about Krejci at 2C, though. I think that's a fair thing. And also just like, again, the beginning of this year, Brad Marchand's out for a little while. Uh, I could be mistaken. I thought Pasternak was out for a bit. Like they were saying that, Mark or Marcus, I would wish it was Marcus Felino. Um, Nick Felino is going to be like vying for a top left wing spot on this team to start the year. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, that's really tough. Um, so he uh, he might be a top line left winger in Providence. Yeah, exactly. Like, and even that, I, I'm that not is so uncertain. That. Yeah, in day and age, L- literally. So, um, yeah, I just. This team needs to weather the storm. If they can weather the storm enough while they're all injured, I think they will definitely be okay to the point where, like, it might not matter what seating they're in. They're going to be a very, very, very tough out uh, come playoff times. But um, 
if they can't weather the storm, like they're, they're, they're also, yeah, Taylor Hall's week to week uh, that came out this week as well. So there's another left winger down. Um, and then, so it was AJ Greer practice at left wing with Patrice Bergeron today. He is in the mix along with Trent Frederick, Nick Felino, per Jim Montgomery. That's not good. Um, but like they're going to need Swayman and Allmark to be a little more than legit, to be honest. Like, like Swayman is going to have to be actively very solid, not just okay. Yeah, and Bergeron probably can't age, which, to be fair, we actually haven't seen him do that yet, so maybe that's a better bet than it should be for a 37-year-old. Yeah, I feel pretty confident about that, considering, and I, like, I'm one of the people who always are a little weary of that, but he literally just hasn't shown any signs of it, so. Yeah, uh, he should be fine, at least. But yeah, I, I think this is a very clearly fourth-place team. Um, I, you know, they would be definitely in the mix for, you know, uh, variants could take them to a division title if they were healthy, but them being healthy, I just, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. And they're also really old. And we always talk about this best predictors of injury is, uh, is age. So there's a non-zero chance they don't get healthy or they don't ever get relatively healthy. Cause obviously everybody will be somewhat hurt by the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. So this is a bit of a hot take for me. I actually have another team in this divisional tier and that is the Florida Panthers. Ooh, okay. I have Florida above Tampa. Oh, see, I'm I'm a little I, I'm not worried about this team. I mean, part of it, maybe I'm a little too low on them given how many damn points they had last year. Like it would that's be a, a, that's my thinking. They have so far to fall from. Yes, which is fair enough, but I'm just thinking of more like power ranking the teams. I'm really worried about this team's blue line. That's fair. In a weird way, I would still rather play Florida in a playoff series, but I think they're a better bet to like win the division in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the case last year too. Yep. I mean, maybe maybe not after the Chirupit, but even then, like, I don't know. Like, I think by the time the second round came around, it was definitely obvious that you'd probably rather Florida win than Tampa, and then Tampa ended up sweeping them, of course. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think like I'm just. I, I, they will have a very, very good team. I think they're very clearly ahead of Boston. I, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they won the division. So maybe I should technically have them in a tier above. But, like, they did lose depth this year, too. Yeah, and both. My hot dig is, like, Tampa's also atrophied a lot. Yeah, I, I would agree. But we've also seen Tampa for years just kind of plug people in and be fine. True. Um, Although Tampa no, didn't add, like, a superstar to help yeah but tampa also didn't lose a superstar to do that either true including and i mean yeah and honestly like i i think weger is better than um i'm I'm sure that's probably not public opinion but weger i think is much better than mcdonough oh so yeah so like that's that's the big thing for me with tampa and and honestly like i guess maybe i should adjust my thing with the the regular season maybe is tampa again like i just said i honestly believe tampa is one of those teams that like no, they probably don't have to give it their absolute all every all 82 games throughout the year. And, and that's part of it too. Yeah. So they're the, the we saw it last year. They were and even two years ago, they they haven't won their division in two years. They came third both last year and the year before. They didn't have home ice in rounds one or two. Yeah. Um, but they were okay with that. They were totally fine with that because they were, you know, just dominant when the playoffs came around. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe I should adjust my thing. I still have this team just like in, on paper third. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they came ahead of third. I just, they're blue line. So I really like Aaron Ekblad. 
But even Ariane Ekblad, I still think, has some questions on himself in terms of, like, can he be a top 10 guy? Or is he, like, that 10 to 20-ish guy? Yeah, that's fair. I think he's been a ten top 10-ish guy, although he's really going to have to be. Like, he's going to probably have to be Victor Hedman good. Yes, and the other problem is he needs to be a top 10 guy for 82 games. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Now, yes, they've been sucks. some freak injuries recently, like just a broke, like a broken leg. You just can't do anything about that, right? But like the fact of the matter is, he's played sixty-one out of eighty-two, thirty-five out of fifty-six, sixty-seven out of seventy-something, probably. So he played most games that year, and then eighty-two, eighty-two, and then obviously, like he. Had, but it's the past two or three years you're worried about where he's played. Like he's missed twenty games at a time, and you know it just it hasn't been. You need him to play close to eighty games this year. Is my point. Yes, because he's your decor. Yes, literally. Like um, behind him is Brandon Montour, Gustav Forsling, Radko Gudis, Lucas Carlson, Mark Stahl. That's a tough one. Yeah, and that's pretty bad. And they've sold the farm too. I would say there's no prospects coming up to save that. Nope. So, like now, some of those guys have had good results on this team in spite of a complete lack of name value. So maybe that continues. Sure, like I, if like Forsling and Montour are both like second pair guys, I wouldn't be like shocked or anything. But if your decor is one very, very good guy, two second pair guys, and three guys I'm not sure are NHL level players at this point, that's still a little tough for a team that fancies themselves a cup contender. Yeah, it's pretty sketchy. Lucas Carlson was pretty good, I guess, last year too, but it was in 490 minutes. So, um, but then my other question is up front. So, I really like the Matthew Kachuk move long-term for this team. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to fit just right away. Yeah, I'm even fine with that. What scares me more is it's like pretty well known, and we've talked about this on the podcast many times, because the public models tend to suggest that Kachuk will make up for everything that Florida has lost or close to it. Or we know that we undervalue passing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done that for a while. That's why I use points. And I still think points have use, unlike some people who, you know, are as into the analytic side as I am. Florida's losing maybe the best passer in the league at the moment. That might hurt them way more than we're accounting for. Like if we're looking back um, at the end of this year, re-listening to this podcast and we're like, Florida was horrible. What happened? I think that's a big reason why we look and we go, oh, in their power play, they replaced a, a Fanta, like a top of the league passer with a guy like Matthew Tuchuk, who is a good passer in and of himself, but he's more probably going to play like net front on the power play. Yeah. And because of his passing and speed, he, you know, like Hor- or Horquist, Huberto showed he could like drive his own line last year too, as a second line behind Barkov. Yeah. I think Kachuk can do that, but we haven't really seen him do that because it's been with Goudreau all the time. Exactly. It's an if. Yeah. So, you know, that's just kind of a question that I have about this team that I don't really have about either the two teams I have in front of them. Um, You know, their their top six is still going to be very good. It's Barkov, Kachuk, Sam Reinhart, um, Carter Verhage. Duclair is out for a while, but when he gets healthy, he might be a part of that. And then you have a third line of like Sam Bennett, uh, Patrick Hornquist, Anton Lundell. Maybe Lundell. Yeah. If Lundell pushes up as a top six player, that would be clutch for this team. Lundell also has, yeah, he has much better upside than 
I don't maybe upside is the wrong word because like you know Nikita Kucherov has more upside, but as far as like young unproven yeah. guys, he has more upside than anyone on these two teams by a significant margin. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I think Lundell's one where he's an X factor that you got to watch for this team because if he can take the step from like he was a really good like third C second line left winger kind of guy who you know he, he put up I think it was forty something points was it um, forty four points in sixty five games last year. Like if he can take that jump to being like a 75 point and 82 game player where he's helping drive a second line or whatever, that would be massive for this team. Yeah. Like if you have, if you're betting on somebody on this team is going to be like a, a legit first liner that we didn't expect to, you take Lundell over the entire field, I think between Tampa and Florida. Yes, I, I completely agree because, yeah, or even just a guy who, like, maybe the point totals aren't, like, jumping off the page or whatever, but he's dominating possession on a third line, and, that like, when his third line goes out there, they just don't get scored on. That has insane value, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I guess the biggest thing for me is, like, this is a team that um, was a cup contender last year, obviously, lost some players, lost um, – uh, why am I blanking on his name? We went to Dallas again. Marchment. Marshman, thank you. Like, who was a very, very good player for them. And in replacement, they went, let's add, like, four of the worst six Senators players last year in terms of <laughs> Michael Delzato, Chris Tierney, uh, Colin White, and Rudolph Balser started on this team. And now Balser's played for the Sharks last year. But he was a Sens player at one point. Um, I just, I don't know. Like, that that in itself kind of worries me a little bit. Their, their depth is going to be affected. I don't think they're going to be as good as last year. And truthfully, like, I just, they had a, they felt like everyone had career years on this team last year. I don't think that repeats. I know. And that's, it's weird because I'm also a little worried where everyone had career years the year before too. And I was finally like, you know what? I'm low on Florida going into the year. And then they did it again. And now I'm like, ah, it must be real. And we did the exact same thing with the Islanders last year where they were like, ah, they're fake, they're fake, they're fake. And we were finally like, ah, it's real. And it turned out it was house cards. So I'm a little worried of that happening with Florida too. Yeah. And the Islanders, and this is the biggest thing that I, I keep forgetting. And I think people are forgetting the Islanders last year, even though that they were just like, even when we bought into them being real, ended up sucking for a year. They didn't overhaul one of the better coaching systems in the league with the worst fucking coach I've seen in the past decade. Paul Maurice is coaching this team. Oh, I've heard about Maurice. Never mind. I've I've changed my mind. I'm gonna go Tampa over Florida. <laughs> yeah, like worst coaches, maybe a bit of a stretch, but he's bottom five for sure. Yeah, like, and even like he doesn't necessarily need to be bottom five as much as you know. This was Quenville's system, and then they mm-hmm. hired Quenville's assistant, if I believe. So like it was a like Joel Quenville. Yeah, like system. when Quenville stepped away because of the Blackhawks stuff, and his assistant took over. Exactly. So, so you're going from a Quenville system, which it doesn't even need to be a shot at Maurice to say you're probably going to get way worse than that because it's just a compliment to a guy who was regarded as like a generationally talented coach. Yep. And then I will take the shot at Maurice that he sucks as a coach. So <laughs> at least then, yeah. systems wise, so like he seems like a nice enough guy or whatever, but like we've been over this when he got hired. His coaching record sucks. The dude misses yeah. the playoffs like 90% of the time. Yeah, and like in Winnipeg, everybody's been convinced they're amazing for years and they've just consistently underwhelmed. And, you know, I think the obvious instinct is to be like, well, the coach is probably the issue then if they have like six first line forwards and they can't do a goddamn thing with it, plus yep. an elite goalie. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, so that, that's a big reason I also have Florida three. Um, all right. So then I have Tampa Bay two as well. I think there is 
people are again it, it feels so weird putting a team one that hasn't won a playoff round in like 20 years but they are one in my opinion and with a bullet on paper um yeah. i still think that if i was doing cup this is going to sound weird i have much more faith in the maple leafs to win the division than tampa but if i'm doing cup odds i still have tampa over the leafs that's fair. I think most people would say something like that because every every time the Leafs get projected to do well, it was like lol, look, lol, first round. It's like, yeah, well, they don't have to play a playoff game to win the division. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, with Tampa here, it's a lot of the same. Uh, like, they're just there's not much more to say about the team than they're going in with Vasilevsky. They're going to have you know a top six of Sorelli, Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Kalorn. Um, you know, their depth is going to be te- tested maybe a little more. It's going to see if you know. Guys like Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel pay off or not. Um, but then they're still going to have a fourth line of Pierre Edmund Belvoir, Corey Perry, Patrick Maroon. That'll be pretty good. Um, so, like, they're, they're going to be a good team. They have Victor Hedman on the blue line, Sergachev on the blue line, and then Cernak and four other guys who are a little more questionable, but they don't have to be that good because you have Hedman and Sergachev playing 93% of the game. Like, exactly. Like, and it's, it is worth saying. As this core starts to creep up into their 30s, the depth is probably going to have to shoulder more of the load, which is bad timing because, of course, this is probably the worst the depth has ever been. But the top guys are still going to be so stupidly good. It's not going to matter, at least not in the regular season. Yeah, it like I'm just kind of mentally preparing myself for whatever the next line of prospects is. It feels like they've really, like, exhausted the pipeline quite a bit lately where they don't actually have a next round of prospects but let's be honest like maybe maybe i'm being a little biased because like um sorelli is still pretty young but it's been a number of years now since brain like brain point is 26 it's been a number of years since the quote-unquote second wave of young guys came up to step up and and replace some of the guys they lost it feels like if they want to keep the window open for another three or four years as you know, and and even that is, is assuming that like Kucherov and Stamkos aging just means that they're the 15th best winger instead of top five, like we had Kucherov this year or whatever. But it feels like regardless, if that happens, they're going to need another wave of like Braden point type prospects to come up. Yeah, exactly. They could definitely use some help there. Do you want to know something infuriating? Speaking of the next Braden point. <laughs> what? So I've been working on this uh, prospect comparison tool. I was like, oh, so I basically just plugged in all the first round picks from the last draft, just out of curiosity to see what the outputs are. And I finally get down to Tampa's pick and I plug in Isaac Howard, who they picked in the first round. First guy that comes out, Braden Point. And I was like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Like, so maybe in two or three years, we will see that. Because like, even Sorelli's 25, to my point. But just for this year, like I'm, I'm sorry to Tampa fans, but this is going to be a pretty boring preview for them because they're rightfully top three, I'd imagine, in cup odds again this year. At worst, probably fourth. Uh, yeah, they'll be top five without blinking, I would think. Like the Avs should be one with a bullet. Yeah, the Avs are one by a mile. I know that. Leafs are two. And then I forget if it's Florida three or Tampa three. Yeah, and the only other argument would be, like, if you're high on the Flames and still think the Pacific sucks, maybe the Flames. Yeah. And that's, again, purely because they don't have to go through two of Tampa and Florida and uh, Toronto. Yeah, division. And maybe Boston in there, too. Why the line with Ottawa was saying we would make the playoffs in any other division but this one. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then number one team, again, best on paper. 
Uh, they're going to be tested as well. I, I do think there is question marks about this Toronto Maple Leafs team, but it is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, obviously, the big question mark is the net Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov. Um, the one thing that, you know, me and you talked about a little off air today was uh, this idea that, you know, since it was a January 1st, they had like 850 goaltending or something. Like some of the worst in the league, basically. Still a very good record for that. There's two ways to look at that. And I think it's obviously you should expect some natural regression, whoever you throw in there, because it's just, it's hard to have that bad of goaltending, frankly. Um, and the fact that they were winning with that goaltending is a good sign. But then the other way I looked at it as well, is that like everyone had career years to do that. And people seem to just assume that if the goaltending goes from like 890 to 910, this team's going to be unstoppable, but it's also not a guarantee that everyone has careers. No, there were there were a lot of careers last year, as there were around the league. Plus the depth, they did lose depth pieces as well. Although mm-hmm. the the other two teams just lost more significant depth, in my opinion. Like yes. Platt is a way better player than Toronto lost, and obviously Jonathan freaking Huberto is completely out. Yeah, or even if you look at Kachuk and Huberto as a bit of a wash, like. Mackenzie Weger is a much better player than Ilya Mikheyev, right? Like, yeah, it's not even close. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no. The I, Leafs I also think... have three guys with legitimate and like possibility of being way better than they previous were last year, and I don't think any of Florida or Tampa has more than one. And that guy being Lundell, between Sandine taking a step, Lilligan taking a step, and Robertson taking a step. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't heard about, more about Robertson at camp. It doesn't seem like, unless like maybe you are and I'm not, but I haven't seen much of him at all. I haven't seen much of him either. They put him on Nylander's line uh, today, and that was the first I've seen of him in a while, which, like, because if he can be a second-line left wing, they're the division favorites by a mile. Now, that's, that's a pretty big if. We haven't seen it, but he's a half-decent bet to be one. Yeah, I will say for all the career years, too, there is also – potential for like maybe not Tavares is like Tavares had a fine year last year I I think he takes a little too much hate but like if Tavares throws it back for a year and just goes point per game or whatever like I wouldn't be shocked by that yeah Tavares taking a jump would save a lot also Angle was really really good in his minutes Angle could like they might have that second line left wing in-house and then yeah that would be that's an interesting thing and even like Jake Muzzin like Muzzin was a disaster last year, but good for the previous six years. Health is a big scare with Jake Muzzin, but like if he even goes direct close to what he was before last year, again, you have another very good defenseman there, which you exactly. did not have last year. And plus, the Giordano Lilligren pairing was stupidly good last year, and yeah, they only f- got it for 20 games. A full year of Giordano should be good. And now, granted, Lilligren's out to start, but a full year of Giordano, and then he'll probably start with like, I don't know, Justin Hall maybe. And then you have Sandine there as well that can play with, or maybe even Giordano goes up to start with like Brody or someone like that or, or Muzz, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I I think this team up front, they have some questions in terms of like, so Tavares is obviously out to start the year. Which sucks. Yeah. This, I, I, I try to refrain from saying like injuries hurt anything because obviously like you take Barkov off the Panthers, they don't look good, but when it's your second, like if you took Sam Reinhardt off the Panthers, they still have Andon Lundell where they could come up and be like, hey, this guy has the potential to still be like really, really good as a two seat, right? Yeah. You're taking John Tavares off the, the Leafs for a couple of weeks. Alex Kerfoot, right? Is, is that the plan, I'm assuming? Or are they putting Nylander back to center? 
I assume you're just going to move up Kerfoot and leave Nylander on the wing at this point in Nylander's career. Basically, you're just betting Nylander carries the line from the wing, which there are worse bets than that, but like... It's also not ideal for a cup-contending division-wanting-to-lead team, right? Yeah, like I doubt Nylander, Engvall, Kerfoot is worse than league average as a second line, but I, it's definitely not good among cup contenders either. No, and when you're elite forwards are supposed to be your strength of the team that's a tough one yeah exactly. i kind of wonder i don't yeah i don't know if it'll happen i do kind of wish i we'd see i think the one thing i want to see from the Leafs slash austin matthews more because i like i have matthews as the second best player in the league i do think one of the things that could really solidify that among as like a not even remotely controversial take though is watching him play with two worse wingers a little more often, if that makes sense. So like, I wonder, yeah, if he ends up with an angle and a bunting, and then it's like, because Tavares is the one that needs help at this point. Yeah, and even just like, when Tavares is out, put Marner down to the second line, slide Nylander maybe over to the left wing, where he's played at times, and go like Marner Nylander Kerfoot. Yeah, like Marner Nylander Kerfoot on a second line, suddenly that's a still a, that's a very dangerous second line. And you can go Matthews, yeah, Engvall Bunting or something like that as your top line. Yeah, I wonder if that's the optimal way to deploy this team. And then even when Tavares is back, you maybe even put him on three lines. Yeah, I, I definitely, I don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. You know, if you go, I mean, maybe you want to keep Nylander and Tavares together, but if you want to go Marner, uh, Tavares, and have Nylander control his own third line. Well, that's what I was thinking, because like Nylander, Tavares, did not work particularly well last year. And that was mainly because of Tavares, I think. But like Nylander against a third line, all of a sudden he's just killing people. And then you just load him with power play minutes. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, and you can even run like a, if you go Robertson on the left wing, Nylander on the right wing, I don't really know who centers that third line. I guess it'd be Kerfoot, wouldn't it? Yeah, it probably doesn't matter much who's the but, center of a Nylander third line, to be honest. Yeah, but even like so with Kerfoot and Robertson, you have guys who, you know, he can help score with as well. Cause like, my one maybe worry to be like if Callie Yarncroke's playing third line center or whatever, I don't know how that would work out in terms of like helping Nylander score. Yeah, it's probably not great. Although, yeah, if, if Robertson's real, it makes most of the math a lot easier. For sure. Um, but yeah, like I, I just kind of wonder if they're going to spread out the depth a little, um, especially because I do think that would be something that would be useful come playoff time. Like again, we saw the depth scoring not it wasn't as bad as the Montreal series was one of the worst I've seen it where it's like you you couldn't buy a goal from people that wasn't named William Elander basically but we've seen the depth scoring on this team in multiple years dry up sometimes when you know Matthews can't just do all, do it all himself and the power play isn't going I kind of wonder if spreading that out gives you more of a three-headed you know look to scare teams and and even might give you know a guy like Matthews a better open look if they're saying, hey, we need to use our first pair on this third line at times more often. Yeah, 100%. Also, how funny is it with all the talking heads that the Leafs could probably trade a defenseman for forward help and it'd be <laughs> positive expected value for the team when most people still think it's 2018 and they need to improve the blue line. Yeah, every once in a while I still see a, the Leafs defense is in good take and I just go, you just haven't been paying attention, have you? Yeah, because like if they can, it used to be if you could flip Marner's output to a defenseman, that would be a huge win. Now it's like if you could flip Sandine's output to a left winger. Yeah, literally. And like, 
Yeah, I, I don't think this is, should even be a controversial take, but if Jake Muzzin is healthy, this is the best blue line in the division. Oh, God, yeah. By a decent margin. Even I guess Cernak's better than I always think, but still. Yeah, yeah, it, it'd be, yeah and that's the thing. Like Even without Muzzin, I think it's still up there. It's just I would take probably Tampa's because of how good Hedman is compared to, you know, like Riley's a good defense or a good player, but he's not Victor Hedman. Yeah, yeah, because if, if Muslin's back, they, they go four deep on top four defensemen, or six deep, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's funny, too. Yeah, if with a healthy Muslin, this could be clearly the best defense, uh, best decor in the division, despite their best defenseman being like possibly the fifth best defenseman in the division. <laughs> yes. Like, if we're saying Riley's still their best defenseman, which I don't think is an unreasonable take. Yeah, I'm skeptical. I know they have better adjusted numbers. I'm pretty sure if you put Sandine in Riley's role, it probably doesn't go swimmingly. No, um, but like, so if Riley's the best, like, I think it's fair to say Hedman, Ekblad are both better than him. Um, McAvoy, obviously. I think it's probably fair to say Shabbat's better than him. They're close, probably, but I would give the edge to Shabbat. Yeah. Um, if more to Cider repeats what he did last year, that's pretty close as well. If not, Cider better. So yep. like Morgan Riley could be like the sixth best defenseman in the division, the best one in the least, but they're just so deep on defense that you know they could easily have the best defense core. Yeah, like imagine what the Sens would do for a Timothy Lilligren. Oh, yeah, like and he'll it would, he might be sixth in time on ice on this team. Hell, what the Sens would do for I wrote about why they should like before obviously all the injuries, uh wrote up this year why they should go acquire Justin Hall. Yeah, yeah, you'd be the perfect stopgap guy for the Suns. Yeah, so... And um, everybody on Leafs Twitter is ready to punt him into the sun. Yeah, literally, exactly. So, um, yeah, no, this this team's very good. I The goaltending, it'll be interesting to watch how that goes. I think... I'm... You and I have talked about this off-air as well. I do think that the goaltending is going to be fine enough to get them through the regular season as a very good team, much like it was last year. The criticism I have the goaltending, the way they handled it this year, and also that like I don't really care about the 800 goaltending stat last year. I think they're like I just I don't know if I trust it to win a seven game series where you're playing a top ten team and every and you're playing some of the best shooters in the league, right? Like this goaltending will be more than fine to get points against the teams that are ranked 13th to 32 in the league. Yeah, exactly. Like Greg Wyshynski did an article and he called them the most likely team from the Atlantic to miss the playoffs. It's like, no, they're not going to miss the playoffs. That was Wyshynski's article? Yeah. Like, oh, I saw the clip of that going around. I thought that was just some blog looking for hot takes. No, that was Greg Wyshynski. Oh, man. They're not going to miss the playoffs. If you want to say you think they should only be like sixth in cup odds despite being second in President's Trophy odds or whatever, I'd be like, yeah that's reasonable and that's a conversation that we're all going to be having come playoff time but like for the regular season it'll be fine yeah i I totally agree so um yeah i I think this is the best team in the division on paper for the regular season um i wouldn't be also young younger than tampa too like yeah and even like florida like florida's core is getting up there yeah and they have a lot of older guys who play decent minutes where it's like so much of Toronto's value is um, concentrated in a 25-year-old who's the second best player in the world and a 25-year-old who's the top, what, 
three to five winger in the world. Yeah. Like those guys could still actually improve along the age curve. Yeah, like they're they're three their three best players are all guys right in their prime right now. Yeah, there's no 32 year old Stamkos. Of course, Tavares is, but like, like Tavares Stamkos is, but is yeah, he's the fourth most important, important forward on this team. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think this is a very good team. They're going to be 100 plus points again this year. Um, you know, I think the Florida is a good enough team where I do think they can get through the regular season and be totally fine as well. So, you know, like if they won this division, I wouldn't be shocked. Obviously, Tampa as well. If anyone else won the division, I would be surprised. Um, mostly just because of how hurt Boston is. And then obviously Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo have big steps to take to even try and get to playoffs, let alone hundred and something points to win a division. But um, no, I, I think this division has the the potential to be the deepest in terms of the amount of cup contending teams coming out of it. And deepest just in terms of like, like there's an avenue I think where we're looking at like Detroit and even Buffalo at the end of the year where it's like, man, if they were in the Pacific or the Central, they would be threatening for a playoff spot. And yeah, like maybe even more than threat in making the playoffs, you know, like yeah, they should have at least they should have six, maybe seven teams worth caring about. Yes, and you know, I don't think any other team can say that, and maybe the Metro as well, but the Metro doesn't have the high end talent that the Atlantic does either. Yeah, any of Tampa, Florida, Boston would be the or Tampa, Florida, Toronto would be the runaway favorites in the Metro. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, definitely an exciting division to watch, and it should be an exciting year as well. Um, do we want to do a super early cup pick? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, who? I haven't put any thought into this. Who? Who do you have? I'm trying to think who I've been. Do hmm. am I boring? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a scenario that's gonna look ridiculous, but screw it. It's in line with some uh, some models at this point. Leafs all go, the Leafs don't end the year with their first round pick or probably other picks and prospects because they use it to get a legitimately good top six forward and it's a Leafs abs final. I'm going to go, I, I can't, I bet on the Leafs to make it out of the first round like five years of rocket again. <laughs> I'm going to go a Canes abs final. Okay, I like that. I do think the abs, I, I just have a really hard time seeing anyone knock the abs off though in the West. I wanted to say Leafs Flames very badly, but I would feel very disingenuous would, to have done so. They would have to be like they would be the top option by a large amount, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. They're like fundamentally different from everyone else in the league. And it almost like ruins the cup pick. It's like I'm being disingenuous to not pick them. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, like I, I think that if there was if there was one team, the Flames are another good answer. Yeah. But other than the West. I'd be genuinely really, really, really surprised if any other team. The only way I could see another team is like if all of Vegas's elite players are actually still elite. And yeah, that's Vegas why rebounds. that turns them into a And then like Robin Leonard returns from the playoffs is fine. Yeah. Or a McDavid stupid run. Yeah, I guess. But even that, like we saw that last year and they got swept in the conference finals. Yeah. And that was about as stupid as they're going to get. Didn't dry side off like 30 points. <laughs> yeah. And like, Granted, I said it was hurt playing during that too, but you know, maybe it's like a McDavid stupid run along with like a Colorado upset in round two by St. Louis or something like that. Or yeah, Minnesota. like the, the one thing maybe we should, and we're going really long here in the Atlantic team. Are you surprised how high models are on Minnesota this year? I've been seeing that actually a lot. It has been weird. I like, I think they're a fine team. I think they're 
Like, I don't even, I was saying we had an argument offline in our group chat that I didn't even think they were like a slam dunk, slam dunk to make playoffs this year. I think it's more than likely. Like, I would put it at like 75, 80%, but there's a like 20% where it's like something goes wrong, their goaltending is not good, and they miss playoffs. Yeah, the models seem to have them close to a top five team, but like, I don't think they're better than any of the four Atlantic teams, assuming Boston is healthy. I don't think they're better than the Canes, Avs, Flames, or Oilers. Yeah, like, like the, the only team I would say there is maybe they're close to the Oilers. Yep, and unhealthy. I mean, they could easily have a better regular season than Boston, but still. Like Ryan Hartman's their number one C. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Also, the models love Boldy for like obvious reasons. Yeah, and if well, I made a projection model, it would too. But like, I'm I'm betting the under on whatever his war is compared to projections because it was so stupid in a small sample last year. Yeah, exactly. Like that's and you know, like that's one of the big things they have Boldy as a two point five goal save or goal save um, GSVA uh, on a third line. It's like, well, I don't like. I doubt he's going to be William Nylander next year. He might be, but I think that's probably not a great bet. Yeah, and like Marco Rossi's on this team as well, but it's just it's a lot to just assume that guys are going to step in and be absolute studs. Yeah. To the point where it's like to elevate Minnesota all the way up. Um, that's and then the, thing, the right? other thing I'm kind of wondering too is like, so like Tom's model has Matt Zuccarello as like a really, really good first-line winger at 2.5 GSVA. Zuccarello was good. He had 79 points in 70 games. Really quietly unreal last year. He had three, four years before, five years before that, really. Like, that was a career year for him. Yeah, and he's 35. He had, yeah, he had three, four years before that where he was, like, not only bad, like, underwhelmingly not good. Not, not, not good is not the right word, but he was just, like, a middle six forward. Yep, he's, and he's probably way closer to that. Plus, they're, they're starting goal. He's 37. Yeah, exactly. And their their backup goalie is a twenty three year old with like thirty games that Ottawa couldn't trust enough to have him with Forsberg. So yeah, and they weren't even like amazing last year. They were good, obviously, but they weren't like fantastic. And they were sellers in the offseason. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't really understand why everyone. But like literally, like I'm pretty sure Dom has them fifth or sixth. Five. Yeah, and the Twins I saw had them super high as well. I thought. Yeah, it always. I find it very odd. They have them as 103.6 teams, second in the central, and 103.6 points would be 103.6, I should say. He has that as worse than the Avs, the Hurricanes at 104.4, the Flames, the Leafs, Panthers, Bruins, Lightning. Actually, no, he has them better than the Lightning. That's better than the Lightning that they have at 100.7. Uh, and then just slightly worse than the Oilers as well. So literally the exact team that you listed. Yeah, that is weird. So, um, that was one thing I just noticed a lot this year that I'm going to be interested to see. Um, and I'm not saying, like, I don't know, I'm more willing to be wrong. I, I like this wild team. I think, you know, if they're good, that's fun. But um, I'm just, I thought that was curious because I that's just not in line with what I thought about them coming into the year. So, yeah, me neither. And for what it's worth, the markets are a lot closer to us than the models. Interesting. So, like they have Edmonton and Calgary, and all those teams is better than Minnesota. Not by much, though. So, the truth is probably that they're closer than we think, but also our point estimates are better. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Anyways, that's all for me. Um, Do you have anything that you want to plug this week? Uh, No, I don't think so. I've just been uh, 
working on some prospect stuff that come out a couple weeks into the season. Check out all my stuff at lastwordonhockey.com. I actually wrote my 500th article for the site this uh, week. Um, it was unfortunately just how Cam Talbot is injured. Not uh, as exciting as I was hoping, but um, I also posted a, uh, what else did I have? Puck drop preview for the Ottawa Senators, so a season preview. Uh, and then last week I also did a Senators podcast uh, just talking about some of their PTOs and the Tyler Mott contract as well. So you can go check that out um, wherever you listen to this podcast. You can find all my stuff at lastwordonhockey.com. Me on Twitter at NHL Sends and at NHL Sends and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66 and all of his stuff at actionnetwork.com. Thank you everyone so much for listening. We are going to try and get back at you next week with a what we're excited about for the season episode. And then hockey will officially be here. We're only a week away. So um, we will talk to you all next week. Bye.